بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الله سبحانه وتعالى إن سورة النحل إن آيات نمبر 106-109 says to us بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم من كفر بالله من بعد إيمانه إلا من أكره وقلبه مطمئن بالإيمان إلا من أكره وقلبه مطمئن بالإيمان ولكن من شرح بالكفر صدرا فعليهم فعليهم غضب من الله ولهم عذاب عظيم ذلك بأنه مستحب الحياة الدنيا على الآخرة وأن الله لا يهدي القوم الكافرين أولئك الذين طبع الله على قلوبهم وسمعهم وأبصارهم وأولئك هم الغافلون لا جرم أنهم في الآخرة هم الخاسرون oh, Ya Allah protect us from being among the غافلون Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying here Those who disbelieve after they have believed and that's what the scary part is. Allah is talking about not the disbelievers who always disbelieved, but people who actually believed and then disbelieved. And so we could be those people. And may Allah protect us from being those people. Allah says, those who disbelieved after they believed, except except those who are forced to say that they disbelieved, but their hearts are secure in Iman. So they're just saying that they disbelieve because maybe their life was threatened, they're about to be killed. Those are an exception. But Allah is talking about those who disbelieved and then their hearts was so comfortable with disbelief. Allah says that His wrath is upon them and they will be facing a severe punishment. And that's because they have preferred the dunya over the hereafter, over the akhirah. And Allah does not guide the disbelievers. Those are the ones that Allah has, have, has sealed upon their hearts and their hearing and their seeing. And those are the ghafilun. And they will be among the losers. Ghafala is, is close to nama in meaning, which means to sleep. However, when we say غفل عن الشيء, 
it means that the person did not forget about it. It's that the person simply did not give it its due importance. The person underestimated the value of the thing, and so he kind of slept and forget about it. But he didn't forget about it. He knew about it. He just didn't give it the right importance. So in this case, it's as if we're saying that those people, Al-Ghafilun, they switched their priorities. And instead of having Al-Akhirah as their highest priority, they had the dunya as their highest priority. The, the Akhirah became not that important to them. And they pushed it to the back of their minds and they, beca- they became among the ghafilun. And what are the signs of being ghafilun? Well, before I get into that, you know, as Muslims, some of us were raised in non-Islamic environment or, you know, to Christian families and, and, and later on, uh, we reverted back to Islam. And so these people are reverts. And when they did that, of course, when they found Islam, they found a lot of Iman and their faith was pumping into their hearts. But also the Muslims, the, one who, the, the ones who grew up as Muslims, in practicing families or non-practicing families, at some point... Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always sending us reminders and wake-up calls and, and signs to wake our hearts up and to bring us back to Him and get us closer to Him, Azza So even those Muslims, at some point, they will feel like they woke up as if they reverted again and they start understanding what true Islam is, even though they've been you know, hearing about it since they were kids. But when you become an adult and you, you know, see that again, you you are awakened again. And when that happens, as we revert or as a Muslim, the Iman is so high and you're so excited and you are willing to change your entire life for it because you see the truth, you believe it. You have been blinded before, but now you can see things clearly. And some of us, you know, they changed their place where they used to live so that they now stay away from the people they used to know and they moved closer to masajids. Some people left their old friends because they knew that they were keep, you know, pulling them towards their old lives, and then they went and made new friends who will, inshallah, bring them to be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so and so on. So we changed our lives. We do a lot of things. We start doing good deeds. The iman is pumping, and the iman is always linked to the good deeds. The more we do good deeds, the higher the iman. And that's why in the beginning when we revert, when we come back to Allah, 
when we start doing a lot of good and we start praying correctly and we start reading Quran, the Iman is pumping. And we feel this high in Iman. That's because before that, we didn't do those things. We weren't close to Allah. So that is completely natural. And so at the beginning, we, we have this high Iman and we're doing all these things, but with time, it will come that our Iman start going down a little bit. And that's totally natural. We will start having a lower Iman. You know, and some of us actually freak out over this. But we have to know that it depends of, of what happens during those lows, during those times of fatra, this fatra, this this you know time where you're you're not feeling the the spirituality that you used to have at some point. It's okay. But you have to know when it is okay and when it is not. Because this fatra, this, this time when your iman is feeling like it's going low, it might be getting you into the ghafla. The, that time, uh, to, you know, the people who become ghafilun, that we want to be protected from. The one that we talked about right in the beginning of this episode. So when, when there's this fatra, you know, there was a couple of Sahaba who went to the Prophet والسلام, and they were complaining to him and they said, Oh, Prophet of Allah, we are hypocrites. And the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said, Why do you say so? And they said, Because when we are with you, O Prophet of Allah, O Messenger, we, we feel the Iman. We feel as if we can see Jannah. We feel as if we can see the hellfire and we don't want to, you know, we want to be away from it. We, we are so uh, attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And once we leave you and we go back to our lives and wives and children and work and everything else, then this iman goes down. And, and that's why we feel like we're hypocrites. And the Prophet wasallam said, if... Your level of Iman when you were with me stayed with you the whole time the angels would come down and would shake your hands. That's, you know, that's not possible. We are human beings and our Iman will go up and will go down. And we have to just make sure that when it goes down, it doesn't go below a certain threshold. It has to be always above a certain limit. So the Prophet ﷺ also explained to us that whoever has his low iman, but while he is at that low iman, at this low spirituality, he is still doing his obligations, and he is still keeping away from the major sins, and not insisting on minor sins, then his iman is healthy. That is a healthy Iman. And if he boosts his Iman back up, he'll be on the right path and he will be among the successful. But the person who, whenever he gets a low Iman, he starts letting go of his obligations or he starts dwelling into major sins 
or insisting upon minor sins, then that person, his or her iman, is unhealthy. And they have to be careful because they will they are on the way to a failure. And it is normal for us, like I said, to, to get to this stage. Nobody can stay at the peak of Iman, especially with, with dunya, right? Because maybe now it's possible at some points you're reading Quran, you're doing all these good things, you're volunteering, you're 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 doing everything you can for this for the for the pleasure of Allah. And then dunya happens. You know, maybe you're a, a student and, and some you know suddenly all the exams happen to sneak in on you and, and you have to study for you know a lot. And that takes a lot of your time and you no longer do the things that you were doing with regards to the deen. Or maybe you just got married or you just had another child. Or, or maybe at work you're getting busy and you know, you're working extra hard and you're working extra hours. So dunya comes at you when you're not expecting it. And it's all part of the test. And we have to be careful to always find the equilibrium and not to let go of our obligations and not to ever get into the major sins. So we have to always maintain that. And the scholars say that whenever a day comes, whenever a day passes, when we do not feel that we miss going to Jannah, or that we do not fear going to the hellfire, or we don't feel the khashyah, and the shyness of when we're going to be standing in front of Allah with the little of good deeds that we have and the many of the faults and, 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 and things that we've done in our lives. When, when we do not feel those three things, missing Jannah, fear of Jahannam, and the khashya of Allah, that day would have been passed and we are a ghafil, a person who was heedless. And we have to be careful. And we have to wake ourselves up from that. And salah is the best tool to track that. Because salah is really meant to, you know, keep us on track and keep us worshipping Allah and remembering Him. But as you all know, and as the Prophet ﷺ told us it's going to happen in Sadaqa Rasulullah ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ said that among the first things that will be taken from my ummah is the khushua, the khushua from salah. We're going to lose the khushua. And how true is that? So we, we're not focused in salah. We don't feel the connection with Allah most of the times. And we have to work on that. So the salah, how is our salah? Are we praying it just because we have to pray? 
we just heard the adhan and yes, I know it's my duty to pray. Let me get it out of the way and let me keep going. Has it become this mechanical repetition that I do every day and I do not really mean anything when I pray? I don't pay attention to what I say. Is it that, you know, when I pray, I just keep thinking about my problems at work and my stress in college and and I do not focus at connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because if our salah, the quality of our salah is not good, that means we also might be we might be heading into this heedlessness, this ghafla. And we have to be careful. So what can we do about it? First of all, is fixing our salah. We have to fix our salah. Now how can we fix our salah? We have to be more aware. You know, we have to start being more uh, aware whenever we say something. Not even, not only in salah, but any anytime, anywhere. When we say something, we should be mindful of what we're saying and we should mean it. Because, you know, everything counts. On the day of judgment, Allah knows everything. Allah knows our hearts. Allah knows our consciousness, our level of consciousness. There's a big difference between somebody who's saying subhanallah with full understanding and full meaning and with full connection and somebody who's saying subhanallah just as one of those subhanallahs that we have to say, one of those 33 subhanallahs after a prayer but without any understanding or meaning, I just want to get it over with and move on with my life. We said them in both cases, it's subhanallah, but on the day of judgment, they will have different, different outcomes. So we have to be more attentive, we have to be mindful of what we say, we have to be more self-aware, and we have to make salah what it should be. Allah says it is made for His remembrance. We have to remember Allah. And when we pray, when we remember Allah correctly, Allah told us in the Quran, Indeed, only with remembrance of Allah do the hearts feel tranquility. So do we feel tranquil, you know, the, this tranquility when we pray? Like when you're at work or when you're in college in the middle of the day and you're stressed out and you go to pray your duhr or asr prayer because it's time. Do we pray because, uh, do we pray and then feel that during the prayer, Alhamdulillah, you know what? I just forgot that my whole purpose on this earth is to worship Allah. And then this work that I'm doing, these studies that I'm going through are not really what is important. 
I have to do them, but that's not really my main focus. My main focus is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in, in going to Jannah and avoiding the hellfire. Because when we pray like that, when these thoughts come to mind and when we're aware of that, the prayer would release any sort of stress in our lives. Anything. Whenever the prayer help us to realize and remember that we are in a test worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything else fades away. And when that happens, the heart start pumping again with Iman. And you would have this internal motivation, the motivation to start doing more and more. And to do that, we have to slow down in our salah. You know, it's really, it is important to be calm during the salah, to slow ourselves down. You know, like I said, because of the stresses of this dunya, we tend to just want to be done with it and move on. But whenever, the more you're stressed, the more you should insist during your prayer on slowing down and taking your time. You know, for example, in Ruku'ah, we say Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim or Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim wa bihamdi three times. And we say them three times because, of course, we always say, oh, it's the Sunnah, three times, three times. Yes, it is the Sunnah. But you know what? The Prophet, والسلام, sometimes said it five times. Sometimes he said it ten times. Sometimes the Prophet, وسلم, stayed in Ruku'ah. The same amount of time that he stayed when he was standing up straight reciting Qur'an. And he sometimes did that, standing up reciting Qur'an. He used to recite Surah Al-Fatiha followed by Al-Baqarah and Al-Imran. You know, you know how long that is? So to do ruku'ah for that long, that's not only three subhana rabbi al-azim. We should say Subhan Rabbil Azim until we feel that we meant at least one of them. Full-mindedness and our heart was awake and then move on to the next position. And during the prayer we should have, like I said, the, the words, should we should mean them. Or at least Allahu Akbar, the word Allahu Akbar, Allah is the greatest. A word that should wake us up and realize, pay attention to Allah, forget about everything else. Because when we're praying and it happens, sometimes you start thinking about something else, you're distracted, you're reciting Qur'an, but your head is not even with you, you're thinking about your work, your studies, whatever it is, and then now you want to move to the ruku'ah. What do you say? You say, Allahu Akbar. That. Hearing yourself saying Allahu Akbar should wake us up. Should say, hey, wake up. I'm, I'm praying. Allahu Akbar. Pay attention to Allah and only Allah. Whatever you're thinking of, let it go. Prayer is the most important. Prayer is the most valuable thing we have. Hayya we say in the Adhan. Come to success. 
We're saying come to prayer, come to success, because when we do our prayer correctly, we will succeed, inshallah. But the prayer has to be performed correctly, not mechanically, without any connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in order not to fall into heedlessness, into ghafla, in order to, to stay on the right path, inshallah, we have to fix our salah, to, to increase our dhikr, our, our remembrance of Allah. And salah is the best tool of remembering Allah. So we have to fix our salah first and increase our you know, mentioning of Allah. Remembering Allah means mentioning of Allah, you know, saying subhanallah. You know, men, saying it and meaning it. You say it at the right time and, and meaning it. Say alhamdulillah for the things that you have. You know, count the blessings that you have. Thank Allah for them. We don't appreciate enough. May Allah forgive us. Seek beneficial knowledge. Seek beneficial knowledge and make sure you hang out with people that have good levels of iman don't only stick around with people who have you know barely the level because you're gonna be just like that make sure you also hang out with people with high level of iman people who are always active in the community people who you know you know mashallah they're always at the masjid or they're always doing something they're always uh, you know you can tell that they're giving more than what you're giving. So try to be with them. And if you can't, you know, be with them, try to, you know, get in touch with them, talk to them, call them. Let something rub on you from them. Benefit from that. And make sure you shut everything Shut down everything that can cause you to fall into heedlessness. And there's so many things that can lead us to heedlessness in today's age. There's so many things and, and we have to fight our nafs and our desires and, and, and do something about it. Just talking about it doesn't do anything. I can preach to you every day and every night. But if I and you don't actually act upon these things, our lives will not matter. And I'm sure that I'm not the first person who ever tells you that social media has to be under control. That watching TV should have limits. You know, I'm not saying those things are haram, but you have to be careful what you're watching. Maybe what you're watching is haram. You know, sins lead to heedlessness. If our eyes are watching things that are haram and our ears are hearing things that are haram, these are adding layers and black dots onto our heart. And that will lead us to go astray. May Allah protect us. I mean, even, you know, years ago, I, had, I used to have a Facebook account. And I tried, I swear I tried again and again to control myself. I couldn't. I knew, I learned about myself that I'm, I, I'm simply addicted to Facebook. And I always would spend at least 
three hours a day on it. And after trying again and again to stop myself from, from you know, uh, going and surfing the web and checking it out, I finally said, you know what, uh, I'm, I can't do it. So I simply deleted my account. And, and that's how I dealt with it. I, every person should know their limits. I can't control myself, so I delete the account. Maybe you can control yourself. So if you can, set limits to yourself. And if you can't keep up with those limits, then delete that account. But make limits. Say, I'm not going to go beyond this amount of time. You should not be spending more than an hour or on TV or social media every day. You should not do that. And whenever you want to watch a movie, let's say, you know, you want to watch a movie that goes for two hours or three hours. Okay, sure. Every once in a while, that's fine. Make a pact that every time you want to watch a movie this long, you're going to sit down and you're going to read 20 minutes of Quran before that. Are you going to go in and do, you know, some good deeds before that? You know, let's keep a sort of an equilibrium in our life. Work for your life as if you will live forever. And work for your akhirah, for your hereafter, as if you will die tomorrow. And many people, this, you know, every time you mention something to them, they mention this. You know, we should work for both, we should pay attention to both, it's not only the deen, it's, a, you know, as if anybody at any time said, only sit down, or only stand up and pray to Allah 24 hours a day. Nobody does that. None of us prays to Allah 24 hours a day. None of us, you know, spends eight hours in worshiping Allah every day, but we do spend eight hours working every day. But nobody says anything about that. You know, work for your life as if you're going to live forever. You know, when we as human beings, our nature is we are procrastinators. Everything that we know we have enough time to do, we push it. We say, we'll do that tomorrow or later. I have enough time. I'm not going to do it now. Whenever you're planning for something in this dunya, remember... And pretend as if you're going to live forever. So don't do it right now. This is not important. Imagine as if you have a long time to do it and postpone it because it's unimportant. But whatever is related to your hereafter, to your akhirah, then you should do it as if tomorrow, tomorrow you will die. That is more urgent. No, don't make an equilibrium as if the hereafter and the dunya is the same because that is not the equation for a Muslim. First do the akhirah stuff. First focus on worshipping Allah. Do your obligations. Do what is supposed to be done for your akhirah first. And then, if you have some time left, then do the dunya things. And also the Prophet he always advised us and told us how wise a, a person is when he remembers death. 
the more we remember death, the wiser we are. We are. The moment, the more we keep rem reminding ourselves that we can die at any time. Nobody knows when we're gonna leave. Nobody has a clue when your paper, your test paper is gonna be snatched from in front of you and you don't have time to answer anymore. We're all gonna die. And you know what's sad is that we always think other people will die, but not us. You know, I had uh, an eight. I had a daughter who died when she was eight days old. And, you know, you would, I never thought she would die. And yeah, of course, I, I, I know that other kids have died at that age. You know, we all know that. But to have your own daughter die at that age is something that you, you don't really realize. And you always think it's not going to happen. Oh, it's fine. You know, we, we took her to the hospital. Inshallah, everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, but she died. And if an eight days old girl left this world, what gives you the guarantee that tomorrow will be yours? Assalamu alaikum.